Hello, everyone. <laughs> Can't even This is take two of our live episode because we're not great at technology yet. Hello, everyone, <laughs> and welcome to episode 61 of Jen and Millie, where a Gen Xer and a millennial share the strength-based perspective through which they view the world. We are your hosts, Allison and Tess. Wow. I only need these to read. Okay. I don't need them to interact. Whatever you have to say to yourself. Well, I am sorry that I did not have these with me um, when I was on a recent um, trip, girls trip to Florida, which um, will lead into our very fun question. Um, We were at a, I'll do this one more time. The views and opinions expressed in this (laughs) podcast are strictly those of our personal um, Allison Horn and Tess I was at a place called the Caribbean Club. Key Largo is well known for the movie Casablanca. And so everything is kind of tied into that. And the Caribbean Club is a place where the boats will like pull up and dock right there. And it's kind of a dive bar. So we were there and we brought the median age down by about 20 years. And I decided that would be a good time for us to karaoke. I love karaoke, but I don't love karaoke if anyone that knows me sees it or hears it. Okay. But I love doing it. And had I had the opportunity growing up, we didn't have show choir in Exeter. I would have been in show choir. So I think most everyone knows that I have jazz hands most of the time. But anyway, I prefer not to show those skills and abilities to people who would repeat about it or talk about it or actually know me. So we bring the median age down by 20 years. There's probably 15 people in the bar total. So that is prime time for karaoke. But if you can't sing or you don't sing well, which I'm clearly that person. You'd sing very well. That's why I learned to play the piano. (laughs) They were like, Allison, stop singing, play. So karaoke in an unknown location where you can sing your heart out. The best thing about karaoke is if you're not a good singer, you should find a song where everyone can sing along with you. And that way they won't be paying attention to your voice. Yeah. So I drag Katie up there. Katie's totally willing to go with me. Sherry's like, no, I'll stay back here and record, record. this, which she did. <laughs> but we chose Sweet Caroline. So the this is also, I mean, such an interesting dive bar that the karaoke machine is only half working. So the music plays, and you can sing along with the microphone, <laughs> but there's there aren't the lyrics on the screen like you have with karaoke. Okay. So all of these people are trying to remember the lyrics or pull it up on their phone. And I did not have my readers, so I was literally phone clear out here trying to read it. Because I will ask you, you know Sweet Caroline, but do you know the beginning lyrics? And you told me I'd take one, but I don't even think I remember. So no. you all think that you know the lyrics, but yeah. most of us just know Sweet Caroline. Sweet Caroline, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yep. Good times yep. never seem so good. Yep. You think Wait. you know the rest of the lyrics, yeah. but there are actually lyrics to the song. So I pull it up on my phone. Katie also needs readers. Holding for back. Yes. And Katie also needs readers and doesn't want to admit it. So both of us are like this. And then I was just kind of, you know, I can't do my hand motions if I'm holding my phone out like this. So anyway. So your, your jazz hands were limited. Jazz, by your until I decided of- the right thing to do is just engage the crowd. The crowd's in. Which is such a woo thing to do. So right? You were just like, at all one point, At one point, I had them divided into like a triad. Of course you did. Like a choir director. And I would, so good, so good, <laughs> so good. And they they were so on. 
And then, you know, I'd say, yes. And then I'd go back to Katie and she'd be singing the song. And she has this really low voice. And then she couldn't see it. So she's like this. And I'm just doing this to the crowd. So, so there is there is video that exists. Um, oh my gosh. That leads to one of my questions. So I would consider that calculated risk because it was recorded. Okay. But today's discussion is really about calculated risk. And a different story of calculated risk. So the story goes on. Um, later on, we're talking to the bartender. His name is Larry, and he's about 73, 74 years old. I'm not kidding. He's worked there for 30 years. <laughs> and we're talking to Larry about how we're thinking about a sunset cruise. You know, there's some um, boats that you can charter through the resort. You know, did he have a recommendation? Because his recommend- recommendations for dining places were great. And Larry said, oh, I know a guy. And his name is Donovan, and he comes in for the next shift. So Donovan comes in, this bartender. He's wearing a shark tooth necklace. And he has a dog that is almost as tall as me. I don't know dog breeds very well, but this dog is gigantic. I can send you a picture. Sherry took a picture of him on the boat later because guess what we did? (laughs) So Donovan, uh, Donovan said, yeah, it's been a while since I've taken anybody out, but I'll gladly take you girls out. Gets Katie's contact information. He said, I'll text you the next morning. He texts Katie the next morning and says, I've got a friend who has a boat. Haven't been on it for a while, but let me see if I can get it going, and I'll take you guys out. Okay. (laughs) So we're kind of, you know, three 45-ish women, responsible moms. We're in the pool, and we're discussing, do we do this? Should we go? So we decided that, yes, we should go, but, yes, we also need to be responsible and tell someone. So our question today is calculated risk. You know, if you were to take calculated risk. Or a a risk in general. Who would you tell and why? So we decide we're going to take this calculated risk. We have eight children combined. We voted Sean, my youngest, as the safest person to share this information. I don't even know the other six children, but I think I would contact Sean if I were taking calculated risk. So Sean gets this text from his mom who is on vacation on a girl's trip in Key Largo. And I said, I'm going out on a boat. Here is the boat driver. That's why the boat driver. Not the captain. Not the captain. The driver. (laughs) Not even the first mate. The driver of this boat. His name is Donovan. Here's his contact information. Here's the bar that he works at. If something, if you don't hear back from me, call these numbers. Sounds like, okay, mom. Here's Larry's number. Here's the bar. And so we feel confident that we've told Sean. And by the way, it was fantastic. Donovan is a former scuba instructor who used to do this as a side gig, hadn't done it for a while, and told us that taking us out has re-sparked his passion. Of course. It was like going on a short tour with a marine biologist, and it was just us three and his huge dog Zeus on this small boat. Absolutely beautiful. And he told us all of these things that we wouldn't have learned had it not been for Donovan. So it was a safe, smart thing to do. One of the most meaningful components to our trip and really one of the most meaningful components to any trip that I've ever taken. Because I believe that when you are in somebody's energy that way, especially when they're sharing what they know Mm -hmm. and you love learning about it, he was teaching us about the mangrove trees, which are within the inlet and they absorb energy and he showed us. So he created a, a wake behind us with the boat and then we turned around and literally... The canal was flat. 
the roots grow into the water and they actually will grow so like here's the limb of a tree the roots will grow down to try to find water and they grow into the water and they create this Hmm. this space of quiet absorbing energy that word kept coming up time and time again and I talked about it recently on a, a personal blog post but energy was kind of the theme for the the trip and we get to choose the energy that we share with people but we also mm-hmm. get to choose where we ask people to give of their energy yeah. and Donovan was just as delighted to have us yeah. as we were to be able to go mm-hmm. so that was a and I forgot to text Sean when we got back <laughs> so if I don't it's like the holding down the safe button if you're in an uber like if you lift off of it automatically calls 911 so the lack of texting is I a forgot to text him but then when I did he said oh wait no murder I mean almost as if he was disappointed so calculated <laughs> risk is going to be our discussion today hmm yes that's so, a long couple of stories to get to what our topic so is. of all the eight kids why why was Sean selected like what about his strengths his generation his personality like, I think that's the question. Like, if you were to take a calculated risk or you knew you were going to do something risky, but you needed to, in order to be safe, share mm-hmm. the risk you're about to take with someone, who would you share it with and why? So the fun part of this is that, you know, we've been childhood friends since we were five years old. So we've known each other our whole lives, but our children know one another like cousins. So mm-hmm. Katie and Sherry know my kids as well as I know their kids. So when we were talking about who do we inform, first I was kind of surprised that we went to our kids and not like to my judgy sisters or (laughs) that's why I didn't choose them is they would have sent pages of texts and probably called my stepdad and said, she's out there doing this, you know, we need to stop her. I think we thought Sean, we arrived that Sean was the right choice because Sean would be non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. Sean would be smart about whether or not something, if he needed to tell us no. Yeah. We felt like he would have been, with his high deliberative, mm-hmm. um, we thought he would have come back with a, this isn't a good idea, right? Yeah. Um, we trusted him. Mm-hmm. And I think also with his generational perspective, I mean, he's soon to be 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had him on the podcast talking about risk yep. and talking about um a lot of different scenarios of risk or what his generation deems as risk. But I think also it came back to my kids have been having some dialogue with me about stepping out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And so I think Katie and Sherry were helping me show Lauren and Sean that I do step out of my zone every once in a while. I am not this rigid, routine, go to bed at 930, never fun, but also in a safe environment Mm -hmm. with those two girls. I felt like whatever happens, yeah, it'll be fine. Happens, mm. and if that's the way we're gonna go, awesome. <laughs> what a story! <laughs> Seriously, it would be an epic. We charted this random boat from a bartender at this time. Yes, <laughs> and they and they perished oh in gosh. the sea. I mean, it's just really that is. We, it's so poetic. It is poetic. So I think choosing Sean was a safe bet for all of us because mm-hmm. we felt like he would be the most non-judgmental. I immediately thought of him but didn't share that right away because I thought "Mm, this is weird that I'm thinking of one of my kids Mm -hmm. and then we immediately went to which one of our kids should we tell yeah we decided not to tell Katie or Maddie or Macy those are the three oldest and they're all three girls because they would come back on us and say and what would happen if I texted you and said I met a bartender at the bar and we're going to go on a boat cruise with him I would have probably reacted that way fair 
So we just had a dialogue about it. It was really interesting. So what's the calculated risk that you've taken recently? And who did you form inform? You just got back from Mexico. I know. I'm trying to think if I took risks at Mexico. <laughs> Sometimes we are not the same person. <laughs> Definitely not. It was like I was regaling my one tequila shot from the whole trip. I'm like, I had to take an obligatory one, and that was like the extent of it. And Allie's like, what? You know? But I feel like we're going to um, have to edit all of this. We're going to have to edit all this out. No, views and opinions expressed in this podcast. Um, exclusively that of Allison Horn and Tess Sturman. I think the, the concept of risk to me is difficult. Even the word is difficult. Because calculated risk to me, because it's calculated, no longer seems like a risk. My strategic has thought through the potential pathways and results of those pathways. And so if I am in a place where I want to take quote unquote what is perceived as a risk, it then no longer is defined as a risk to me. I don't know if that's helpful at all. It is. So when I think about something that like I did not charter a, a boat from a random person. I did charter a boat, but not from a random person. I went through proper channels. I'm a bit of a rule follower like that. Um, <laughs> but um, there's only also one marina within walking distance, the one in the resort that I was at. But um, I think, I'm trying to think of like so risks that I took. I'm so like, calculated risk does not work with adaptability. Yeah. Your adaptability strategic blend says calculated risk is not a phrase that is even possible. Yeah, I think it's, um, yeah, I don't think it's a, re I think the things that when I think about my life that were most risky were like up and moving to Omaha, Nebraska, right? Like from Minnesota, five hours away from anyone that I knew. And, you know, like major life events, that's what I think of as risk, when major life change is gonna happen. I don't think about moments like that, like I wouldn't have thought that as risky at all. It was on the recommendation of someone who knew that this person, he'd done it before on the side. Like, all these things, I'm like, I wouldn't have even, I understand from when I step back from the situation that, yes, that's kind of a risky situation. Um, but if I were in that place, I would not have defined it as risk. So, but if I'm going to do something that people might perceive as risk, I generally don't tell anyone until after the fact, which probably has a lot to do with my strengths as well. I have higher self-assurance, and so something like that, or like I'm gonna go, oh sorry, off by myself and walk the streets of Puerto Morelos and not tell anyone where I am. Like, so then I'm like, oh, that's You did that? No, I didn't do that, no, sorry. It was a hypothetical situation, but if I'm gonna go off and, you know, walk by myself and do something in a riskier area of town, generally I don't tell people about it, it's mostly because I think the people in my life tend to worry because I tend to do things that might be perceived as risk more often than not, maybe. So I think maybe we need to define what our definition of risk is because I think we're thinking about it in maybe some different ways. And it can be. That word can be seen in so many different ways because yeah. there's also the word brave and courage. So I was thinking of back to a couple of years ago, or was it last year? Last year at conference. And Alexa came on board as, a, as an intern and we were meeting and doing strengths dialogue about her communication. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about how she wished she was better at public speaking. And I said, how can we really dive into 
using this strength. You have communication in your top five. Mm -hmm. How can you take, and what I would have termed as a calculated risk to push yourself to use that strength in the way that you feel like needs to grow. And so we referred to it later on as Alexa Brave. Mm -hmm. She got up in front of 100 people at conference and covered one of the the training slides. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I think if we asked Alexa, she would probably term that as calculated risk. It was terrifying. Mm -hmm. It was completely out of her zone. I am, I know you'll be surprised by this, I am a control freak. Ooh, so surprised. (laughs) So me getting on that boat was calculated risk. Mm -hmm. Because I want to... I, I would have researched him. I would have done a quick background check. Um, <laughs> I didn't the whole time. I wanted so bad to ask about the shark tooth necklace. I so and I kept. That's it a in. calculated risk. Kept the fact that in. you went on a boat with a man who had a shark tooth necklace. He also had a dog that was as big as me. <laughs> and the dog would move back and forth on the boat, and he was like, "Don't let him step on your foot because it could like potentially like damage your." I think foot. It just sounds so fun. I mean, I'm trying to think of like so probably solo trip to London would be the most recent, like, quote-unquote risk. But I felt safe the whole time. So, so I'm trying to think of a recent example. Do you feel like, generationally, your generation is more apt to travel and not see travel solo as even risky? I don't think sweepingly, no. I think that's individually me. I don't... My friends would never travel. They don't often travel solo. I've talked, actually, with Alexa and Anna, and they're like, we wish we would be able to do what you do. And I'm like, we'll go do it. Right? Like, why? Well, I was thinking you and Taylor both. Yeah, both Taylor and I. I would say probably there's a higher percentage overall. Travel definitely is more frequent in my generation, but I don't know that solo travel as much, at least with people that I encounter. And I certainly don't think that there is the um, social stigma for your generation that there is for mine of Mm. traveling solo. So um, we we had great conversation, um, Katie and Sherry and I, over the course of our time together about generational differences, about the way that we've raised our kids, about how different our moms were. Mm -hmm. We were talking about the conversations that we have with our kids Mm -hmm. and how we actually want to know them as humans. Not saying that, that my parents didn't, but there was such a huge divide in dialogue as opposed to what we talk about now. We talked about that. We talked about how everyone's a writer. Or everyone's Mm a commentary opportunist, um, like we are here, because anybody can Mm -hmm. do a podcast, anybody can write on Twitter, anybody can write on social media, so everyone has a voice. And how different that is, as opposed to our parents' generation. Mm -hmm. So we have done this annual girls' trip, and we get together every summer, but we've done this annual girls' trip just a couple times, and we talked about how important it is, but it was so bizarre, we'd be out and someone would say, you know, where are you guys from? First of all, we're the only people from Nebraska that I swear that they'd ever seen. They're like, oh, Nebraska? What? Really? As because everyone like knew the Huskers. As soon as we asked, people asked where we were from, they're like, oh, the Huskers. Or, oh, I know Lincoln, Nebraska. And I was like, what Well, we did earth? find lots of connections, which, of course, my connectedness was all over the place. But mm-hmm. then they would say, well, you know, are you guys sorority sisters? Are you sisters, sorority sisters? And Katie's like, no, we've known each other since kindergarten. And that blew Everyone away. Yeah. Our um, flight attendant, our, the people at the hotel, I mean, they were just blown away that, and they said, it kind of stuck out to me. Most people said, that's so rare. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's not. I mean, I'm, 
Katie and Sherry are one group of childhood friends, but Kim and Aaron are another group of childhood friends, and Jeremy and I and our class, our class of 17, gets together every five years. Like, we somewhere, I think, intrinsically, mm-hmm. we've just always stayed tight. Mm-hmm. And um, I realized that's after this trip that that's more rare than I thought. I mean, people yeah. were just like, really? Like, nah, not since kindergarten. Well, Figure out speech. <laughs> right, we have. And yeah. it's, um, Katie's a year younger yeah. in grade-wise, but um, year-wise, she's yeah. about the same age. I get to 45 first. Sherry gets there in April, and Katie gets there in September. So hmm. I think when we talk about even calculated risk or trips or vacations or exploring or even the ways that we connect with friends with friends and spend time and celebrate, mm-hmm. we've been talking a yeah. lot about that word, there could be a level of that yeah. for everyone. So, yeah. So I think when, when I've been thinking about it a little more, I think there's an, another layer of this that I want to explore a bit, which is technology uh so i i don't know exactly how to put this like i don't often proactively notify people if i'm going to do something that is deemed risky but i have continual location sharing with the closest people Mm -hmm. to me which is the people who would need to know if something happened that didn't go well if it was risk or if I did a risky thing and it didn't go well. Um, And so I think I always feel like people know what I'm up to because my friends and I like check each other's locations if we just want to like drop by, oh, Alex is at her apartment, I'm going to drop by and say hi or drop off a cup of coffee. And we just like do that because we're so interconnected in our lives. And so I think that that probably um, is an added layer that makes me feel like what I do is less risky because people know where I'm at. Now, my parents, I'm not location sharing with them. They would have no idea how to do that. They haven't even mastered emojis yet. Um, but my friends know that. So my two closest friends here and then one of my friends that lives in Colorado all have my continual location. Um, so so I think that makes me like, like, why would I let them know I'm going somewhere? Because if they, they're wondering where I'm at, they can just look. So my kids have my location. Okay. And um, funny, I haven't told you this yet. Um, Beth and I just got back from Wyoming where we were doing program implementation, and I left my phone in um, Wheatland on the... Of course um, you did. Of course I did. Well, you weren't there. <laughs> Lost my keys. Couldn't buy my phone. I'm like, well, Jess isn't here. I can't find anything. So I left my phone literally right on the podium where I was presenting. So I did okay. a new mentor training, left my, um, my phone right there. I get back. It's an hour from Wheatland back to our hotel. Get back to the hotel and I'm getting checked into the room and I'm like, oh geez, I don't think I have my phone and I'm looking through all my stuff. So I, and this is 9.30 at this point. So I get on my computer and I have find my iPhone through my iCloud. So I log into my iCloud and I look and sure enough, it's beaming from Wheatland High School. And so my first thought is, okay, you know, I'm fine with that. I've been weaning myself off of it anyway. I've been plugging it at night, not looking at it got rid of the Facebook app on my computer or on my phone. So I'm thinking I'll be fine through the night. I will have to set an alarm with an alarm clock because we had to be on the road at 6 a.m. again. So I have to set an alarm. Mm -hmm. Figuring that out was hilarious. When was the last time you did that with a hotel alarm clock? I've never done that with a hotel alarm clock. Because you've never had to. I've never not been in a hotel without a phone or without my parents. 
Like, think about it. I got a phone in sixth grade. And that year was? 2006. Oh. <laughs> so I had to run an alarm clock. But the first thing I did is I put a, um, I reached out on Facebook to Lauren. Okay. I got on Facebook and I messaged her and I said, hey, I left my phone at the school. She was like, I already tried to call you three times. <laughs> of course. And she said, and I, saw, I thought you were still training. It's like 1030 and you're still training. And I said, no, I left the phone there. Um, she said, well, I already looked at your location. I said, okay, <laughs> we're fine. So I think location sharing also, an alarm clock's test, the sound of an old alarm clock. Mm. So when I was growing up, the alarm clock would make a sound when it would turn. There are so many people who are going to know what I mean when I say it went, I mean, like made this sound. Like, did it have little white cards that flipped? Yeah, it was car- there were cards. Okay. I have almost purchased myself a retro alarm clock that looks like that. <laughs> And then it's I called clock- the retro or vintage. So you didn't clock. have like a clock radio? No. My parents woke me up. My mom came and woke me up every day for school. And so clock radio, <laughs> like AM radio. I would listen to Bruce Williams and TalkNat. And it was on AM radio. And then your alarm would wake you up with FM radio in the morning if you wanted it to. It would wake you up with music. Of course you wanted to do that. So you have not ever woke up to... No, you haven't. Of course you haven't. You've never woke up to FM radio. Or AM radio sound like that. I don't want to wake up to that. It sounds awful. Wow. So I think, so then again, the additional then conversation beyond technology and beyond location sharing. So in order for location sharing and technology to be a safety buffer against risk, you do have to be connected to technology all the time. So someone like you can't use that. Or someone like my parents, like my parents leave their their phones at home when they go to church and run errands like my mom usually takes hers with but my dad could care less and so it it um depends on a level of connectedness to technology which I am pretty much all the time I if I disconnect I'm never disconnected from technology I just do not disturb my technology because I like to have it around because mostly for my learner in case I need to google something (laughs) like I like to have it around all the time and so But if someone does not, right, if someone leaves their phone at Wheaton High School when they drive an hour away, that would not be a foolproof safety guard against risk, right? right? So that is also, I think, a generational difference because most people in my generation are not going to forego their technology, even if they want to disconnect. I also want to leave this thing behind more. I want to leave the phone behind. And it makes it very difficult for me to do that. When people are worried about you. Yes. Because then I... You're right. It is a a generational thing. It's a technology thing. But just even to fathom that you've always had a phone to wake you is mind-blowing. Yeah. Is mind-blowing. Well, so your first without your parents alarm clock was your phone. Yeah. There are such cool alarm clocks out there. (laughs) I have uh, purchased a traditional alarm clock when I was trying really like tech detoxing because of my like head and stuff. Like yeah. I went like two hours prior to bed without any blue light. Um, and I don't do that as much anymore, but I had an alarm clock set up for that. But multiple times it did not go off. 
even though I tested it. And so I trust my phone a whole lot more to reliably wake me up at the correct time than I do an alarm clock. What does that say about generational differences? So you've <laughs> also never woke up to an uh, 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 alarm clock. Mm-mm. So another fun story. I bought a new wallet for my trip, and they forgot to take the alarm off of it. And I got home, and I do not know these things because I don't typically buy fancy stuff. So I get home from, I got a TJ Maxx. It wasn't that expensive. But I get home, and I see this little lock thing on it and I'm like that's so weird and so I get my actually ruined a pair of scissors cutting that thing so I'm cutting it up I'm like what is the deal and I look down and right about the second I look down there's a green light that goes and first I thought it's a bomb I'm ready to chuck it into the into shadow lake I'm gonna it's, it's a bomb and then you know, my actual logical brain is like, no, idiot. This is something that deters thieves. Thieves who do not want you to steal it. So I finish cutting it. The alarm is going off, Tess. And I mean, it is loud. It is lar- louder than any alarm clock ever. I mean, so I hook it underneath my arm. Because, you know, I live in an apartment building with a lot of people who are older. Uh-huh. And this is the kind of thing that would generate like a 911 call. So I'm holding it like this. Finangling for my keys because I know that I have to hammer this thing. Okay. To end it. To oh, like smash it. Like to end its buffet, life. fire hydrant. You don't know. No friends. You don't get any friends references. There's the one no. where they're up Good all fellas. night. Trisha's on and she understands. The one where they're up all night, there's an alarm. She's a smoke detector that keeps going off. And she's trying to get it to stop and she this hammers it. This is like it. Goodfellas. Have you seen that movie? No, I have not. Well, that's what I thought of. So I okay. have to take it downstairs to my garage like this so that it doesn't alert anyone and no one calls 911. And then open up with my keys and try to get into my garage and then beat this thing with a hammer. So I had a picture. <laughs> I'll show you. I mean, I, I beat it to death. I mean, I, I not just hammered it. I made sure it was done. Get a little bit of residual anger. A little bit. So then I took it with me upstairs because I was afraid it would go off during the night. So I took it with me upstairs and then I wouldn't, it was days later until I would throw it in the trash that I was sure that it wasn't going to set off alarm again. Had no idea. So it sounded like the loudest alarm clock on earth, but you would not know what that sound sounds like. Nope. Well, I know loud alarm clocks, but it's loud alarm phone phone clock. clock. Yeah. Yep. But yeah. So Interesting you've, conversation. You've, you've never reached over to a large alarm and clock. And hit the snooze button. No. I've hit the snooze button on my phone. So I think it's funny that like even in cartoons, that's how it would be depicted. Oh, yeah. So you would see that image. I know the motion. But not know. Very familiar with the concept of hitting the snooze or hitting snooze. And we still use that in our vernacular, right? Oh, I hit snooze too many times this morning. Yeah. But it's press a it was, button. This is an actual, like, legit. Big bar, right? Only, yeah, yeah. Only for snoozing. Yeah. Hmm. Was there a preset with snooze, like, five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes? Or could you customize I don't believe time? you could customize it. What was the standard snooze time? I believe Jay Wright's going to be Jay Wright's going to come on to this and say no you're wrong. I believe it was 10 minutes. This is why I need to google it. 10 minutes? Oh. We're Looks like let Trisha. Our live crew let our in. live people. 
10 minutes. Oh, Trisha's still muted. I muted her. No, she's still muted. Look. I'll click on mute. There you go. Trisha? Okay, so I actually still use an alarm clock. Okay. Like a clock radio. I Because I wanted to come on to music, like Ali said. And I do hit snooze, and it's nine Nine? Nine. Nine. Yeah. I don't know. But it's nine. That seems so arbitrary. Yeah. And Trisha, you you were part of a hotel empire, so you know. (laughs) Hotel empire. You know that there were clock radios in the hotel. Yeah. So as a matter of fact, the radio that I have, which doesn't look that old, it's not the clicking one like you were talking about. It's just the, you know, red light digital. Um, that actually was one that we had in the hotel room. And I still have it, and I still use it. So I've had it for a long time. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. So, so can you get a picture of that to us? I can. Yeah, take a photo. Sarah, what do you, Sarah, what do you use to wake up with? Um, my phone. For my kids. Whichever comes first. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Awesome. Well, while we have them, like, kind of unmuted, do we think we should ask them, what do you guys think of kind of this question we've been tossing around when it comes to risk? Um, you know, if you were to take a calculated risk, number one, what might that look like? And number two, who would be the best person that you would inform and why would you inform them? to consider, which is who would go along with you on this risk? So the first person I thought of was the person I would tell would be my sister, but then I realized she'd probably be involved in it. Yeah. And I have a really good friend, Laura, who would probably be involved as well. So they're out for people I would tell if they're going along. Um, so I would tell my brother or brother-in-law. Um, mm. Both of them are very strategic. Um, my brother-in-law has high discipline. So they are like our, like if we have ever done a family vacation, we just sit back and let them plan it because they're going to know, I mean, they're going to know exact times for everything. They're going to know public transportation routes if we need it. And then as far as like my brother, he's going to be the one to maybe a little bit of deliberative, he's going to think of any potential other risks that he could see and say, hey, did you think about this? So they're the people that I would. I think that's a good, I mean, it's a really good question, and I have to strength spot you right away, Trisha. Trisha has high um, empathy, high connectedness, um, high harmony, and so she's, like, automatically thinking about, you're automatically thinking about the other people um, in your life um, that could be included in the risk itself, so I love that. I just strike spot that, like, right away, um, but also, okay, so this is an interesting question, and I think Allie did step out to take a phone call, but um, because you talk about the people that you would inform as those who would really think through the risk, 
And that's, I guess, kind of what Allie was talking about with Sean. But I think for me, I wouldn't want to inform people who would think through the risk. Because if I'm already going to take the calculated risk, I don't want necessarily lots of opinions of all that could go wrong. Right? So that's where I'm kind of stumped. Because I have a friend, um, my friend Cammie, um, she went with me to Mexico. And she talked all about, or there was one instance in which she was in the ocean um, a little bit, kind of like dipping her toes in with somebody else. And she got a little bit of a snapper or a bite on her toe. And she screamed out and she said, it's not safe. We all have to get out of the ocean. And that was her immediate (laughs) response was like, it's not safe. We have to leave. And like, there are tons of living things in the ocean. So I'm like, I don't care. Like, you know, but it was just like such a funny story. So then anything little that went wrong, we always proclaim that like, it's not safe. We have to leave or we have to do something different. And so she's someone that I would actually not inform because she would try and talk me out of it. And then she would worry and worry and worry until I get back on board. So I think it's interesting like where yeah. people would go to. If you would go to someone that would think through right. your risk and give you their opinion on what the other risky steps are, or if you'd go to someone that would be like more encouraging, or if you would invite who you would invite to be a part of your risk. So hmm. right. it's interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Sarah, yeah. your thought? I, I do understand what you're saying because I, I don't want somebody who's going to necessarily try to talk me out of it or whatever but I sometimes think that my excitement about it would take over so I need somebody logical to kind of be like okay well that's great but you know maybe think about this when you're doing it or whatever so it's more of a safety thing for me like I would feel better knowing that they know where I'm at what I'm doing etc yeah it's good stuff what about you Sarah Okay, can you hear me? Yeah, yep. Okay. Um, I'm not a great risk taker, but I think, like, I would agree with Trisha, it depends on who I'm with and what I'm doing. Um, I think what I envision is I'm either with my husband and we're doing something, or I'm with my sisters and we're doing something. So it would be one or the other. Or whoever our kids are with. So, like, if we're, we're going to Mexico in May... And kids are staying with grandma and grandpa, and so we'll just, and maybe not, maybe we would leave out some of the details of the risk that we're taking, but just so that they were aware of, like, okay, we're going to go into town or whatever, um, just for the safety aspect of it. But yeah, I think it, but then sometimes I don't want Jake to know, like, what my sisters and I are doing. Not that it's not safe, but like, you know, just... Because then I don't want to hear about it. Like, if he's like, oh, that's a terrible idea, you know. I'm like, well, you can tell me that after we've done it. Yes. (laughs) That's good. That's really good. Yes, I think there are a lot of conditions upon which how we answer that question, right? Who are we with? What kind of risk is it? Um, What will the end result be? Yeah, our table's kind of shaky. But, yeah, those are good. Thanks for contributing, and thanks for both being on. Hi, do you want to say Hi. Go ahead. Um, hi. Hi. Um, my name is Bella. No! <laughs> Your name's not Bella. It's Riley. <laughs> and, um, I have Sarah's dad. Oh, she's, wow. She's wearing my school name badge. So. Well, you look very official. We thank you. I think you're our youngest contributor to Jen and Millie. How old are you? <laughs> 
Four. Four. Four years old. So awesome. Awesome. She said, she's like, I used to be three. Oh, I used to be 43. <laughs> oh, man. That is too good. I think we might have had a hard time. Hopefully, listeners will be able to pick that up. But yes. if not, that's okay. I tried to catch it. But so sweet for you to join. You look very official in your name badge, and we are grateful for the four-year-old contribution. We are. We are. We are. All right. We also wanted, we have some time left, and we wanted to open it up, um, or we have just a little bit of time left because we had to redo our our time frame. So we are at kind of the end of our official time, but do you guys have any, like, open-ended Q&A questions just in general about... You have Jen and Millie here live. We're recording an episode. Any general questions about strengths, generational differences, any of the views and opinions expressed in this podcast you have questions about? (laughs) Uh, So I want to ask a question, something that Allie brought up earlier about the solo travel. Yes. So I was curious if that is a generational thing, which you kind of already answered, Tess because Allie and I are from the same generation. And I do feel like in our generation that would have been viewed as, I don't know, scary, risky, just something I don't think that was done that often. Um, So I just kind of want to know, like, what do you think has changed that maybe makes it seem more acceptable? Yeah. Hmm. That's such a good question. I don't know what has changed that has made it more acceptable hmm I think that there probably is a bit more solo especially solo female travel in my generation than there is in yours or in older generations but I still think it's not super as prevalent or as common um you know, I even think about, I think travel is a lot more common, um, but most people travel still with a buddy or in groups or in trips or things like that. Um, I don't know. I think a lot of it is, I, I, it's hard to like blame, you know, or cast blame, but I think social media has a lot to do with it too, right? To make it more acceptable. Make it more acceptable, right? Like it's kind of a, fun adventurous thing if you see someone doing just travel in general I think I think of a hard time like differentiating travel and solo travel um I also think that there's some assumption made around um doing things solo so um right and the reason I'm in and out of here is that we're trying to sell the camper and we ha- I'm supposed to be there at 2 o'clock to show it. Um, so Mike is filling in. But um, when I tell people that I camp by myself, they are just in awe and shocked and almost like, oh, aren't you afraid? And I'm like, afraid of what? Like, there, to my knowledge, I haven't seen any bear, you know, so far um, here in Nebraska, a mountain lion or anything like that possible. But I, I think there's an assumption that generationally assumed upon, female assumed upon, that I should be afraid. And to me, I mean, we're, we're all at risk of anything happening. The likelihood of me having an encounter when I'm camping, I'm Is more likely... much least likely than you tripping down the stairs right. and dying. So, like, just knowing And you. I was just yeah. thinking of this. The first thing Lauren said when I messaged her 
you know, about I left my phone behind. My kids never worry about me traveling or anything like that. They're more worried about I'm a threat. I'm more of a threat to myself than anyone else is a threat to me. So the likelihood of me falling down the stairs, the likelihood of me, you know, <laughs> injuring myself thinking that a MacGyver bomb is going to go off in my wallet. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that story didn't result in, and I hammered my finger right, off. Right, Yeah. So I think there's oh, an man. assumption for whatever reason, Trisha, that we gener- generationally, but also as women, shouldn't do our own thing. And I'm here mm-hmm. to fight that. Yeah. I know it's a good question. I'll continue to muse on it because I don't think it's a simple answer. But I don't know that I see necessarily Sean's generation doing any more of it. Yeah. Than what I do. I think it's just maybe an, an individual. Um, I had never ever traveled by myself until 2009, and I'd always, you know, been with my family or someone. So I had never traveled alone. And I think I'd never gone to dinner alone. I'd never um, gone to a movie alone. Had not done any of those things. So, Gosh, this and is the I best. and I'm I'm learning. I'm learning that. So, but I think there's also so much, and we talked about this a little bit on one, a previous podcast episode. There's a lot tied up into um, situational context, right? So you have you were married, right? right? So you de facto always had someone to go to the movies with and always had someone that you went to go out to eat with and went on vacation mm-hmm. with, right? Like, so as a, like a, a single woman, I don't have a de facto partner to do all those things with, but I think historically that has limited women, right? Like if I don't have someone to do that with, then I shouldn't do it. Right. As opposed to, I think my generation has a lot of more liberation in that area to say, if I don't have someone to do it with, why should that limit me? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't I just go do it anyway? Which is like 100% my philosophy. And there's actually lots of like travel groups that encourage, you know, people to go out and travel solo. And there's um, a um, an adventure group that I follow. And actually, you're going to laugh because I don't fall into it yet. But it's for 30s and 40-year-olds only and it's a solo travel group and they plan these incredible international trips i'm going to send it to you i cannot remember it off the top of my head but i follow them on instagram and they on the um uh on like the description of the like the site and the company like it's ask a frequently asked question because i went and looked and i'm like okay well i'm 25 26 like could i go even though i'm not yet in my 30s and they say you know we know that people love to do this and everything so we're a bit flexible in our time frame and we allow 29 year olds and 41 year olds on the trip and everything else Oh, sorry. Oh, um, 51-year-olds. Sorry. Oh. It's for people in their 30s and in their 40s. Sorry. Okay. I'm going to get... So, I'm, I'm okay. on this. Okay, because I really wanted to go on them because they look like the most incredibly planned and very intentional trips, like times with families in the local countries, times learning about um, the food and off the beaten path, but yet you're in the context of the safety of a group and a company. Um, and so I think there are, there are things and there are places like that that really do encourage solo travel, um, especially for people maybe in a context where they don't feel as confident to do it on their own because they haven't grown up with the philosophy and the ideology that like I grew up with as a millennial which is you can go out and change the world and you can do anything you want to do and be anything you want to be so 
I'm going to send that to you. It's a good question. We're going to keep pondering. That's good. Okay, so um, Sarah is signing off, um, and she was just saying she's never considered solo travel. Um, Don't get away very often, but when she does uh, get the chance to enjoy it, it's with her favorite relationships, of course. So you're probably whole family going to Mexico. Um, And she said her aunt did one of those solo travel trips um, through a group, and she went to Italy and absolutely loved it. Thanks for contributing. Thanks for being on. Yes, Um, I'm going to look into that. Yeah. This was so much fun to be on and, and live with you guys. Thanks for joining so, us. Yes. Thanks. That was fun. Thanks Thank so you. much. We'll probably sign off here and look forward to this episode that's coming out. Hear your own voice. Hopefully, if I can edit it to be all right. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, bye, you guys. Thank See ya. you. Bye. Well, when it comes to the episode here, I will just say thanks everybody for tuning in to episode 61, this live version of Jen and Millie. If you enjoyed today's conversation, consider sharing this episode with a friend. To interact with us and share your responses to the questions that we posed in this episode, follow us on Instagram at Jen and Millie. That's at G-E-N-N-A-N-D-M-I-L-L-I-E. And we once again want to say that the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are exclusively that of Allison Horn and Tess Darman and may not reflect the views of Teammates Mentoring Program. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Until next time.